Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Can we get up for Kate? Just real quick. I think those videos are so fun. And I just love getting to highlight somebody who contributes here at Three Creeks, uh, maybe in a behind-the-scenes way. I think that's really great. So I love those videos. Uh, I'm encouraged by them every time. But good morning, Three Creeks. My name is Cody McManaway. I have the privilege of being an elder here at Three Creeks. And today I have the privilege of giving today's message. And we've been in the series here as you haven't heard of, if you haven't noticed. So I'm excited to dig into uh, the message today. The last time I was up here, I had a picture of my family, just to give you an idea of who I am. We had some technical difficulties that day, so we didn't get to see that picture. So to make up for that, uh, we have a picture of my family here. This is my wife, Mindy. Mindy and I have been married for 11 years now. We met in middle school. We were high school sweethearts, and we've been blessed with three wonderful children. We have Nora, who is four. We have Miles, who is two and Lainey, who is four months. Uh, with Nora, there's never a shortage of energy or ideas. Uh, with Miles, there's never a shortage of emotions. At times, he can be the sweetest boy in the world, and at other times, not so much. And then Lainey is four months, so she can't really do anything wrong. She's just precious, uh, and we're so thankful for them. But Enough about myself. I really want to dig into a hero today from the Old Testament. And in the Bible, the Old Testament is the, the part of the Bible that leads up to the birth of Jesus. And the person we're going to talk about today is Aaron. Uh, but before we get to him, I have another hero I want to talk about. And it's a hero I'm assuming a lot of you are familiar with. Uh, this person was born on December 18th. I'm going to give you some hints, see if you could piece together who it is. Uh, I did not know that. I looked that up this week. Born on December 18th. Uh, he was born to Walter Hobbs and Susan Wells. Anybody got it so far? I think maybe a couple are piecing it together. Uh, he loves a woman named Jovi. He's six foot three and has had a beard since he was 15. Anybody? All right, the, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is by singing loud for all to hear. That's one of his favorite things to say. Um, if you don't know it by now, you probably don't know this person, but it's a hero of mine and it's Buddy the Elf. So I have a short clip. Uh, we're going to look at Buddy real quick. As much as uh, Buddy was accepted by his family and friends, there were a few drawbacks to being a, a human in a, an elf's world. be a little bit short on today's quota. It's all right, buddy. Just how many etch sketches did you get finished? Come on, buddy, how many? I made, uh, 85. Eighty-five? That puts you 915 off the pace. Why don't you just say it? I'm the worst toy maker in the world. I'm a cotton-headed ninny-muggins. <gasps> no, buddy. 
buddy. You're not a cottonhead in any muggins. We all just have different talents, that's all. Seems like everyone else has the same talents except for me. You you have you have lots of talents. Uh special talents, in fact. Like um uh, special talents? You changed batteries in the smoke detector? You sure did. Triple A's. And in six months, you'll have to check them again. Won't you? Yeah, and you're the only baritone in the elf choir. <laughs> you bring us down a whole octave. In a good way. <laughs> See, buddy, you're not a cotton-headed ninny muggins. You're just... special. I love that clip. Any excuse I can find to share uh, a clip from Elf, I'm going to take it. But what do we learn about Buddy in this clip? We learn that he, he seems to have a good heart, right? He wants to do a good job. Unfortunately, we also learn that he's pitiful at making toys, at least at the normal pace of an actual North Pole Elf. And so that brings him down. He's disappointed. But we also see that he has special talents. He's the designated smoke detector battery changer. He's the baritone in the Elf Choir. There's also this picture of him playing basketball against the elves, and he's dunking on like five of them. So we can assume he's probably the best basketball player at the North Pole, uh, but he's still disappointed in himself. And spoiler alert, I mean, this movie's almost 20 years old, but he goes on to save Christmas. So he has these shortcomings. He's terrible at toy making. He doesn't feel like he measures up, but he still has purpose. He still has a role to play. And that's really what I want to take away from that clip. And so you might be wondering what this has to do with Aaron. Let's get to that. So we're in Exodus. Uh, we're going to start in Exodus 6. So to set the stage a little bit, at this time, this is when the Israelites, this was God's chosen people, they were being held by King Pharaoh in Egypt. They were being held captive as slaves. And if you have any familiarity with this story, you probably have familiarity with Moses. Moses gets a lot of the spotlight for this story. He's basically God's chosen deliverer of the Israelites. He's the one who goes before Pharaoh and pleads with Pharaoh to let his people out of the bondage. And to, he's the one who's executing these, these miracles. And he receives the Ten Commandments and he's, he parts the Red Sea. He does a lot of important things. So Moses gets a lot of credit for this story. But we need to dig deeper into this. So in Exodus 6, in verse, verses 28 through 30, it says, when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, everything I am telling you. But Moses argued with the Lord, saying, I can't do it. I am such a clumsy speaker. Why should Pharaoh listen to me? So here we have Moses, this, this man that was chosen by God for a special purpose, arguing with God. He's wavering. He's saying, I'm a clumsy speaker. Why would Pharaoh listen to me? So he's wavering. He's saying, I have weaknesses. I don't really measure up. Why would Pharaoh listen to me? And that's where Aaron enters the story here. In Exodus 7, verses 1 through 10, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pay close attention to this. I will make you seem like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. Tell Aaron everything I command you, and Aaron must command Pharaoh to let the people of Israel leave his country. But I will make Pharaoh's heart stubborn, so I can multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Even then, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you. So I will bring down my fists on Egypt. Then I will rescue my forces, my people, the Israelites, from the land of Egypt with great acts of judgment. And when I raise my powerful hand and bring out the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 when they made their demands to Pharaoh. 
Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh will demand, show me a miracle. And when he does this, say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down in front of Pharaoh. It will become a serpent. And so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did what the Lord had commanded them. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a serpent. So Aaron enters the story here. And what do we see? What do we learn about Aaron? We see that Aaron is a helper. We know that Moses felt like he didn't really measure up and he needed help to go before Pharaoh and to lead the Israelites out of slavery. And God had somebody in mind. He had Aaron sent to be this kind of complimentary counterpart to Moses. And so Moses gets a lot of the credit. He's He kind of overshadows Aaron to a certain extent. When you hear the story, most people go to Moses and what he did. But to not consider Aaron's role is to really not consider this story in its entirety. And when I I hear about this, this humble position that Aaron was in of being a helper, it feels very counter to what we see today. In our culture today, it's very much a me-first mentality. You know, me, me, me. How can I make this about me? How can I get the credit? I want to I make the decisions. I want people to see how great I am. And when I read what we know about Aaron here, it's just so contrary to that mindset. And when I was thinking about this message and just this humble approach that Aaron is, is taking it made me think of a professor that I had. This professor had a very strong reputation. His reputation was really what even made me take his class in the first place. He was entrepreneurial. He was involved with local startups. He had expertise and knowledge and experience that I knew that I could benefit from. But interestingly, one of the most vivid memories I have of his course was a class where he's talking about strengths and just understanding what you bring to the table. And he said, as much as he wants to be the one who comes up with the plan and designs the play, he knows that his strengths are best suited for him to be the one that's executing that play. So not the one that's getting all the credit necessarily, but the one who helps run the play and make it happen. I thought that was such a humble thing for such a a well-regarded individual to say. And I was kind of blown away by that. And so that's what I've taken away from his course. And that's kind of what I take away from Aaron's story here. We have another example of Aaron as a helper in Exodus 17. And at this time, the Israelites were being attacked by a group of people called the Amalekites. And so there's a battle raging on, and that's where we are in Exodus 17, verses 9 through 13. So Moses commanded Joshua, Choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset, and as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. That is such an amazing thing, and it's hard for me to imagine being in that position. Like, there's literally a battle raging on, and somebody comes to you and says, hey, I know there's a fight happening right now, but you know what we really need from you? Do you see that guy, Moses, over there? Like, he's getting a little tired. Can you just go over there and literally just hold his arms up? I know in my pride, I'd probably say, like, no way, put me in the battle. I'm ready to fight. I'm not here to hold this guy's arms up. Are you kidding me? 
But that's a prideful response, and we don't see that from Aaron. He literally is support for Moses. And later in Exodus, we see that Aaron is appointed as God's first high priest. You might be wondering what a high priest is. And a high priest was somebody who was essentially responsible for this construction called the tabernacle. And the tabernacle translates to dwelling or to dwell. And so this is where the glory of God literally dwelled. And the high priest was responsible for taking care of this, this structure and going before God and offering sacrifices. The high priest was essentially the representative for the Israelites before God. This is a, an honorable position that Aaron is called to. We get more context in Hebrews uh, for this role. Hebrews 5 verses 1 through 4 says, Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. And that is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for this work just as Aaron was. So we see there that Aaron was called by God for this position of honor. And Aaron answered that call. And I'm encouraged by that. I, I don't know if I would answer that call. I don't know if, I'm, if my, my heart is open or if my ears are open to what God is calling me to do, even in this moment. But Aaron was, and I think that should be an encouragement to all of us. And now, we talked a lot about the good things that Aaron did, and it doesn't really seem like he's much of a cotton-headed ninny-muggins at this point. Uh, so let's get to that part of the story. That's in Exodus uh, 32. So for more context here, this is when Moses has left the Israelites. He's up on Mount Sinai meeting with God, and this is a pretty important meeting. He's getting the Ten Commandments. He's getting other laws and instructions and details on what the tabernacle should look like. And the book of Exodus dedicates around 12 chapters to this meeting, so we can assume that it was pretty lengthy. And that's where we pick up in Exodus 32, verses 1 through 4 say, When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. And so Aaron said, take the gold rings from your wives, from the ears of your wives, sons, and daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. And then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, molded it into shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So that doesn't seem great, right? That's not good at all. And the first two commandments are literally, have no gods before me and don't make idols. So, I mean, it's almost like Aaron and the Israelites were trying to set a record for the time between commandment given and commandment broken. Like, they might have literally been breaking these commandments as God was giving them to Moses. And this, this story kind of reminds me of my son Miles, like I said, our Sour Patch Kid. Um, this, he actually did this just this weekend. Uh, this is a pretty common occurrence in our house when we're eating dinner. He'll take his fork and, of course, throws it on the floor it's hilarious, and everybody's dying laughing. So I pick up the fork, and I try to be patient with him. I said, Miles, please don't throw your fork on the floor. It's like, this is just for eating, okay, buddy? And he guesses what he does next. He takes the fork. He does it again, but this time it seems a little bit more deliberate. He does it like in slow motion 
while maintaining eye contact with me and smirking the whole time. I'm like, come on, dude. It's like he's saying, I know what you want from me. I'm just not going to listen. And so it's hard for me to remain patient in those moments. And it was hard for God to remain patient. He was justifiably upset with Aaron and his people to the point that God strikes the Israelites with a plague. So the point is really that it's not that God is indifferent to our sins. In Isaiah, we read that though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. So our sins are a stain on us, just like Aaron and the Israelites' sins were a stain on them. And despite that, God has use, God has purpose. And even after this incident, Aaron goes on to be high priest. We have another example of God using Aaron despite his shortcomings in the book of Numbers. So this is in Numbers 6, verses 22 through 27. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. And these words might sound familiar to you. Um, Recently, Elevation Worship turned this blessing into a song appropriately called The Blessing. And we have sang this song as a church. And it's safe to say there are probably thousands, maybe even more Christians around the world singing that even this morning. And so thousands of years later, we are still singing Aaron's words, or more accurately, God's words through which Aaron was a vessel. And so despite his shortcomings and his weaknesses, God's power still worked through Aaron. And that's, that's really our big idea this morning, is that our shortcomings don't exclude us from God's story. I want to say that again. Our shortcomings don't exclude us from God's story because his grace is sufficient. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, his grace is enough. I'm encouraged in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10, it says, each time he said, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It seems counterintuitive. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I think what makes this so beautiful is that this, this idea that we can't be excluded from God's story because of our shortcomings is also kind of counterintuitive because really it's our, our shortcomings that include us in God's story because God's story is a story of redemption. And so what can be redeemed that hasn't been tarnished and what can be rebuilt that hasn't already been broken? And so that's, that's what we are. We are tarnished and we are broken in need of this redemptive story. And that's what we find in Aaron's story as well as in, in God's story. And so when I was mulling over what I was going to talk about this morning, I, I threw out the idea of talking about Aaron to Joel. And I said, like, here's kind of like the main idea, you know, talk about shortcomings and weaknesses and how God can still use us. His grace is, is bigger than those things. And he was like, you should talk about yourself. And I was like, 
oh man, I just said, I want to talk about weaknesses and shortcomings and how you don't measure up and how you fall short and, and self-doubt. And the first person you think of is me, Joel? Like, that's not what I wanted to hear in that moment. But he, he added more details and he said, no, no, no. Think about the time I asked if you would be willing to start a discipleship slash Bible study. And I remember that there was a lot of self-doubt that I had in that time where I thought, why would somebody want to be in my group? Why would somebody want to listen to what I have to say or maybe even seek me for advice or counsel or, or look up to me in any way? What do I have to offer? And I was letting that self-doubt define me in that moment. But I know that God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses and that there was still purpose and still use for me in that moment. And so little did I know, Joel has really given me the big idea for today's message a year and a half or two years ago. And so, coming back to Aaron, Aaron is certainly a cotton-headed ninny-muggins. I'm going to try to use that as much as I can this morning. <laughs> but that didn't stop God from using him to play a critical role in his story to glorify God's name. Aaron's fingerprints are all over this story of God's faithfulness and his goodness. And if I could distill what we learned about Aaron into three bullet points, it's one, that Aaron was a helper. Moses was chosen to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. But he didn't measure up in all the ways he thought he needed to. And so to complement his skill set and to kind of fill that, that gap, God sent Aaron. Aaron was a helper, literally and figuratively, even to the point of holding up Moses' arms as actual, very literal support. Aaron is a sinner, I am encouraged to learn about a hero and find out that they're a sinner because it almost makes what they are and what they do a little bit more attainable because I'm a sinner and we are all sinners. And that really brings us to bullet point number three, which is most important, is that Aaron is an important part of God's story. In Isaiah 40:29 and Romans 8:26, it says, He gives power to the weak, strength to the powerless, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. That tells me that we don't have to be perfect. Do you feel like you have to be perfect? I know at times it's, it's easy to look around in America and you're scrolling on Instagram and everyone's posting the, the happiest pictures you've ever seen. Like the picture I showed of my family. <laughs> Do you know how much effort went into that one picture where everyone's smiling? That, that, that's not reality for us. Like, we have three kids. Somebody's crying at every moment throughout the day. That's not what our family looks like, the way I showed in that picture, but that's what we strive for. But it's okay to not be perfect. We can be imperfect because we have Jesus who is perfect. And that's what really brings this story full circle, is that Jesus is our great high priest. Aaron was selected to be the first high priest, and there were others that followed, but our great high priest is Jesus. We get a little bit more detail in Hebrews. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. He did not sin. So Jesus is our great high priest. And who, who is a high priest? What is a high priest? A high priest is somebody who goes before God on our behalf. And that's what Jesus is. That's what Jesus did, and that's what Jesus does. He is our representative. He's the one who goes before God on our behalf. 
And the sacrifice that he offers is himself. We can approach the throne of God only because of what Jesus has done. He's the one who goes before God. He took our punishments, and he paved the way for us to spend eternity with God. Have you accepted that truth? Is that something you haven't heard before? Did you know that Jesus is our great high priest and our Savior, the one who fills in the gaps where we fall short, who offers us this this opportunity to be imperfect because he was perfect. You know, I was, as I was thinking about what clip to show at the start, I landed on Elf because it's, it's fun, it's silly, everybody likes Elf. But then even offhand, I was like, oh, there are tons of movies I could show right now. I could show Smalls in, in the Sandlot. I could show Dory in Finding Nemo. I could show Maverick in Top Gun. And each of these instances, there's somebody who, who has pretty glaring weaknesses. I mean, Smalls is terrible at baseball, doesn't even know who Babe Ruth is. I mean, are you kidding me? And we have Dory. She's got short-term memory loss. Maverick, Maverick's pretty cool. He feels the need for speed, but he also has total disregard for authority, and he's reckless. Each of these characters has purpose in their story, just like we do, just like Aaron did. So maybe today you're called to be a helper like Aaron was. Do you have the humility to accept that? Do you have the humility to say, I'm not going to be Moses in this story. I'm not going to get all the credit. I don't want the spotlight. I'm going to be the support. I'm going to be the help. Maybe you're meant to encourage somebody. Maybe somebody's going through something right now where they need you to help them. Are you open to that? Are you aware of that? Are you okay to be a helper? Or maybe today you're, you're shrouded in doubt. Maybe you have self-doubt. You say, my weaknesses are too much. They define me. My weaknesses and my shortcomings and the ways I don't measure up make me unusable and make me unlovable by God. That's just not true. It's not true. His power, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. What does that tell us? It tells us that God understands our weaknesses. His power works best in our weaknesses, and he gives strength to the weak. Our weaknesses and our shortcomings don't define us. They don't define us at all. And they can certainly be a distraction but they don't stop God from moving in and through us in impactful ways. And the bottom line is that our shortcomings don't exclude us from God's story. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this morning, for the chance we have to be together and to learn more about who you are and the love that you have for us and just the chance we have to be a church and to grow together and to love together and to support one another, God. Let us do that well, and let us chase after you every step of the way. Let us seek you first and give you all the glory for all that's good in our lives, Lord. And if you are calling us right now individually to be helpers, let us answer that call, and let us be ready to to answer it willingly, Lord. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you for your goodness, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, 
visit threecreekschurch.com. Thank you.